Welcome to the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jeff Newbarth. But uh, please be welcome on the Callaway Golf Podcast, part of the Callaway Podcast Network by Team Ledbetter. David and Holly Ledbetter, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good morning, Jeff. We're doing well. It's nice and sunny here in Florida. Well, I mean, it should be. It is the Sunshine State, right? They'd have to they'd have to have a referendum if they had that wrong. Uh, we want to hear your questions for both David and Hallie. Uh, so Jen, Josh, and Matt are going through Periscope, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever else we could be using. Have we ever gotten a question on TikTok? I don't know. Uh, Instagram. So ask your questions, and we will get them answered by either David or Hallie. But I have a few questions for you guys first. Um, first, I'm a little disappointed, David, that I'm the only one wearing the official Ledbetter hat today. But I have a signed version of it, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Funny enough, we have a seating in this room, so I don't need it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I guess we do too. All right, I can just take it off. But um, I... I, I yeah, I almost didn't recognize you for a second without the hat on. Uh, first off, a little delayed happy Father's Day. How did you, how did you two spend Father's Day together? Uh, how did we spend Father's Day? We had a we had a nice dinner. Yeah, we had nice yeah. dinner. It was good. It was yeah, good. and Just... um, it's it my birthday this week, so we combined the two. You know, oh, so well, happy happy birthday! We have a great present for you at the end of the show. Someone bringing a good present. Um, <laughs> so yeah. so we had a good day. We had. Uh, kids came up so we you know these father's days um i mean just one of those other american holidays that you know to sell cards and all that sort of thing you know i got you i made you a card oh yeah she made me a card i made him a card. card yeah it yeah was, uh, what was on the card well it was hallie swinging you know she looked at me and i sort of looked at her quizzic quizzically is that how, how do you say that word Quiz- quizzically quizzically yeah and that's a difficult word uh and uh the, unfortunately it was a picture, like lovely, I printed lovely, out a picture. Lovely looking nice. follow, but unfortunately the ball was still there. So I sort of mentioned to, her, I think at the time, yeah, well, the ball is meant to be out of the scene at this point. But, uh, but I, po- so I posted that picture on Twitter and people are like, I'm, I'm in my finish, but people are like, oh, you played right-handed because the ball is still there. And I'm like, no, that's a left-handed club. Yeah, I, I missed. missed the ball. <laughs> well, that happens. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's. Yeah, it's one of the early days. So can you guys talk about, uh, you know, obviously, Hallie, I think you'd have a pretty good advantage in terms of uh, having a father who could help you on the golf course. Talk about how that started um, and, and why you had the interest to, to even play. Because I would think you could have gone one of two ways, right? You could either embrace it and accept the fact that your dad's one of the best teachers on the planet and deal with the instruction. Or you could say, I don't want to do anything that my dad uh, is trying to tell me to do, which I may or may not be able to relate to. Yeah, you know, for me, I definitely was, the, I think, the latter at, at the start. I didn't like golf when I was younger. I was rode horses. So I did that pretty seriously until, until I was about, like, 12 or 13. And that's when I was like, oh, you know, the rest of my family all plays golf. And when we have our conversations at the dinner table, I didn't really have much to contribute. So um, <laughs> I decided, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to give this golf thing a try. So I played my first 18 holes when I was – I think, yeah, 12 or 13. And I was like, wow, I'm suck. I'm really bad <laughs> at this. So, you know, I put in the work and then I ended up, um, you know, getting a, a, you know, working through high school and then getting a college scholarship and, and turning pro eventually. But at the beginning, I was definitely like, absolutely not. I want nothing to do with golf. And even for a while, even when I did start taking it seriously, I didn't even want, I didn't want my dad to be my coach. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so, and David, what was what, what was it like from your side? Because um, obviously you want all your students to succeed, but I mean, you probably have a little more rooting interest in one of your kids. Well, honestly, Jeff, I I, I had no idea that Hattie would even take the golf because she hated golf. You know, she really didn't <laughs> like it. And I remember she actually, when we lived at Lake Nona, Annika put on a clinic for young girls. And, and I think it was a two-hour clinic of which she spent one hour and 15 minutes with Hallie trying to get the ball airborne, you know, oh my God, you know, and because Hallie didn't play any ball sports. So that, that was the thing that really amazed me how hard she worked at it. And um, I, I, not to make a comparison, but I remember Charles Howell when I worked with Charles, you know, Charles, you cannot play ping pong, you can't shoot a basketball, but I mean, from a golfer's perspective, he became a really good athlete. And that's what Hallie did. She developed herself into a really good athlete playing golf. Uh, just. Uh, so obviously it improved your hand-eye coordination. It does a, a lot of things for you. And it's a, it's a wonderful sport for young girls, young women to take up. Um, and the, the reward at the end there uh, is quite possibly if you get your game in reasonable shape where you can get college scholarships. There's more college scholarships in women's golf than any place else. So for all those uh, fathers and what have you listening out there, get your youngster into golf, especially if you've got girls there. They'll love it. I agree. I agree. All right. We got a bunch of questions for you. This name I'm going to butcher, so I'm not even going to try. I, 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 sorry. Um, Hallie, are you and your dad working on any part of your game currently? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny for me because I don't, I mean, this is a sort of an odd moment in time, I think, for everyone, but I am currently living with my parents in Florida. Um, so, you know, normally I live in New York City. I don't get to see my parents very much. But now, you know, he can look at my golf swing a little bit, a little bit more than usual. But it seems for me, it's always the same exact thing. I don't think. When's the last time you told me anything new? Uh, <laughs> Early this morning, wasn't it? Well, no, but it's always for me. <laughs> I, I always, I have a closed wrist at the top, and that's, well, which is very popular amongst some of the players. You know, if you look at Dustin Johnson. Yeah, but I'm not players. Dustin Johnson, so no, I can't true. hit it. Like that. It's true. So yes, I mean, I mean, it's funny. I mean, for golfers out there, look, you revert back to old habits. And the one thing with Hallie, I mean, you established over the years. We've established, I mean, as I do with all the tour players or any player for that matter, you establish a certain uh, approach. And normally speaking, you stick to it. And so it's not a case of learning something new every week. Um, so with her, she's actually got a really good swing. She's a solid ball striker, and it's just one or two little things which uh, we remind her about and she's off and running. All right, let's get to our next question. This is kind of a fun one for you, David. What's your opinion on someone like DeChambeau with his untraditional approach, uh, five protein shakes a day, unique equipment set up? I mean, that has to blow your mind. I, I, yeah, I think he's blown a lot of people's minds. I mean, it's really, uh, it's certainly extraordinary really what he's doing. And I mean, to put on, to put on that much sort of weight or bulk. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a biomechanist in, in, in Europe. And he said, you know, he said what he's done, obviously, he's increased his body mass to a point where it's all about ground force pressures. And I don't want to get into too much detail about it because it's quite complicated. But he said he may well have done that just by eating two dozen croissants a day as opposed to working out three times mm. a day. You know, because sometimes That'd be mass, more fun. You know, if you look at a sumo wrestler, they put on mass, right, in order to create that power, that bulk. So it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, obviously stronger, certainly, uh, but um, 
it's, I mean, he's unique. I mean, he is, he's got a different mindset to everybody out there. He's a, almost a professor and he looks at everything when you think in terms of, you know, he tests the, he's testing humidity there, pouring water over his golf ball on the practice tee. So I, mean, I think it's great when you get these unique people in the game because it, it, it provides conversation to all and sundry. Uh, and he's a talented boy, let's face it. I mean, he won the US Amateur. He's won, uh, I mean, how many tournaments has he won now? I'm trying to think, five or six, something um, like that. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but yeah, uh, something like he's that. Unique. He's unique. And he's. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where he stops. I mean, hopefully we're not talking, we're having a podcast two years down the road and he weighs 390 pounds, you know? So we'll right. See. But I do think maybe we should recruit a couple sumo uh, wrestlers and have them come down to the Ledbetter Academy and, oh. and let's see what we can do. Well, with, I with... There in lies a story because a number of years ago, there was a very famous uh, uh, sumo wrestler from Hawaii. His name was Konishiki. Okay, Konishiki. Mm -hmm. He came, he came, and he actually came primarily to work out at the facility that was at Lake Nona. And they actually had to take him to the post office to weigh him because he couldn't, you know, the scale didn't go up. He, he wow. weighed 130 pounds. But this guy was strong as an ox. He actually used to play football. And uh, I remember we drove down on the cart. He, his wife was uh, a skinny, skinny little model. And the cart was on two wheels driving down the range. I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> but actually, when, when he got that mass moving, he hit the ball really well. He loved golf. And so uh, it's interesting, you know, from a... I guess sumo wrestlers, there's no reason why they can't play. I mean, they're mobile, let's face it. So yeah, part in golf, it's all about mobility and flexibility. As long as Bryson maintains that, he'd probably be in good shape. See, I, I wouldn't want to play in the group behind the sumo wrestler because if they're walking around the hole, they're probably going to do something to the green so that, that wouldn't be yeah, so good. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but if your putt stayed on the lip, maybe you can get a little bit of help. All right, Sam Fullerton wants to know, uh, both of you, what are your best tips learning to read greens? Ooh. Uh Look, I mean, there's all sorts of things out there now, like aim point, et cetera, et cetera. I think you've got to look at one of the oldest things in the book. Let's face it, if you look at a hole, if it's worn out on the left side of the hole, then, hey, the grain, if there is such, is going to be growing, going from right to left. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think that, and the old-fashioned, if, it, if it's light, it's quick. If it's dark, it's slow. Uh, so, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm taking Hallie's thunder here, but I think the big thing, when you walk up to the green, have a look at the terrain around it because you'll see where the, where the drainage is. You'll see if you threw a bucket of water on the green, where that water would run off to. So that gives you a, a decent idea. And finally, just get your caddy to give you the line. <laughs> All right, Hallie, any other tips that you use? Yeah, I went through the Aimpoint program. And although I'm not like a stickler for it by any means, it just gave me a really, really good understanding of, uh, you know, how – slopes and things work and so then when i'm playing with somebody and i see that their putt breaks to the left then if i'm slightly left of theirs i know mine is gonna be you know pretty straight or maybe break slightly less left if i'm on the lower end of that so i, I i'm i'm not up there like you know doing the whole mm -hmm. finger thing we have dave neville in here who does that in the office it's really okay. fun i'm i'm almost like too ocd and anal to do that because i'll be there right. forever trying to get it right, yeah. but it just helped me. Uh, I think one thing really interesting when Hallie was at the University of Arkansas, she, she worked with a fellow who basically worked with the eyes. And because when Hallie oh, looked yeah, at her putt, yeah. when Hallie looked mm -hmm. at her putt, everyone looked level to her. So she couldn't tell it was uphill or downhill. So she did all these mm -hmm. little exercises for her eyes and uh, it made it, it made a huge difference because she could actually see and sense the line. Yeah, that was actually see, cool. I think 
Yeah, see, I think the number one thing about green reading is just hit it closer than your opponent and let them give you the read. Yeah, that's yeah. whoever talks about that. I just think that's within your it's a gimme. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, even easier. Just hold it. Hold it from the fairway. All right. We got tons of questions coming in here, so we'll try to get to as many as we can. William Fisher wants to know, Hallie, how does it feel to take advice from your dad? Most children hate having their parents tell them how to do things. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's quite easy, actually, Jeff. You just... <laughs> um, I, you know, it's funny. In high school, I don't think that I was um, mature enough, really. So I had a different coach, or at least I thought I did. But I'm pretty sure my dad just kind of fed him information and <laughs> told him what to say to me. But in my mind, I didn't have a different coach. But then in college, I sort of thought, you know, it's silly to have this resource and not utilize it. So mm -hmm. I think when I was in college, I was able to sort of differentiate between like a father daughter relationship and a coach player relationship a little bit more. So, you know, sometimes there are times when I do want to say like, Oh, what do you know? But um, I definitely like, as I got older, I realized it was kind of a moot point to do that. And <laughs> Is that like when, when, when the hat comes on, you know, he's the coach and when the hat exactly. comes off, he's not. It, it was a lot cheaper as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You save all that money, but it also costs you money because you know you're not teaching someone else who's paying. Yeah, I, I torture it between lessons, you know. Oh, good point. Good point. All right. Hey, um, speaking of other podcasts, we have so many on the Callaway Podcast Network. Fitting Room. Uh, Garrett and Nate did one yesterday. This is kind of interesting. I'd like to get your takes on this. Length plays influence on flex, swing weight, lie angle, and how to use length to properly set your clubs. Do you guys ever adjust length of, of your clubs or um, as you're looking to do things, or do you see tour pros, David, who are, are using length, whether it's longer or shorter clubs to try to impact their setup? It's a great listen. Uh, check out the Fitting Room Podcast. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's, it's, in my opinion, okay, including Hallie and this, including Michelle, they're more concerned about the color of the shafts and the, and the color of the heads more than if it actually fits. As long as it looks good and it matches their nails, they're happy. Mm -hmm. yeah, so okay. from a, in all seriousness, though, I, I think that, you know, there's different ways of looking at club fitting because do you fit the club to the fault that the person has or do you fit it assuming that, hey, this person is going to make some changes? So, I mean, if you're playing once a month, probably you want to fit to the fault. If you're really keen on getting really good at this game, you need to make sure that that club is going to fit your, maybe you change it gradually, the lie of the club. Lengthwise, I think it's important you look at, uh, look, I mean, we had, they've got the NBA appearing in Orlando here shortly. And we had a couple of the, the players down at Champions Gate uh, this past week. And it's interesting. I mean, look, uh, they, they need two to three inches extra length. There's just no doubt yeah. about it. If you look, their fingertips from the ground are a long way. And so unless they're going to squat down or bend over to make a compensation. I mean, so I've always been a bit of a believer too in getting somebody set up perfectly to the ball, what I feel is in perfect posture, and then fit the club around that and make maybe make some slight adjustments from there. So if I feel somebody's in perfect posture, I mean, we can see if the club's too long or too short. Ali, anything about, uh, you ever done anything with like a driver length or something? You know, we see certain players on tour using shorter drivers or uh, Bryson, who knows, is probably going to the long drive shaft soon. Yeah, no, to be honest, I I haven't really messed too much with the with the lengths of my shafts. I think I've had the same sort of setup for for a while. I have I haven't really alter, alternated the length of my of my shafts at all. Yeah, I might be trying it soon just to try something different. All right, well, check it out with Nate and uh, Garrett, and then the other one. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but we have a new podcast series out with Henrik Stenson. 
uh, every other week, almost an hour podcast with Henrik Stenson because he won't give me an hour. He literally hangs up at the end of uh, end of the hour. But we had episode two last Thursday. It's out there. He talked about being mic'd up. Uh, and episode three we'll record next week. Uh, he'll be making his return to the tour in early August at Memphis. Uh, so that leads me to miking up players, caddies. Um, what are you guys? I'll start with you, Hallie, as, as obviously someone who works with with Golf Digest and Golf TV involved in that media side. What do you think about miking uh, players up? I, I like it. You know, I'm all for it. If players are willing to do it, I'm like, yes, let's mic them up. But I do understand the hesitation. I, I really mm. do. I think when you're out there, you know, you might say something that you may, you know, drop a yeah. few curse words that you may not want other people to hear. So I understand the hesitation, but if players are down for it, then I'm all in. What about you, Dan? What, what do you think, David? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think it just brings the crowd in. It's almost like I've always thought for a, for the longest time that players should wear heart rate monitors so we can actually see what's actually taking yeah. So the more, the closer I think that you can bring the people out, especially now, look, the fact that you haven't got any crowds at this point in time, I think it's, I think it'd be great. But as Hallie said, not, it's not every player, depending on, you know, how many F-bombs they might drop. Yeah, temperament. Paragraph. Well, I will, t I will tell you, Henrik and I solved it. And so just listen to episode two of almost an hour with Henrik and you will get, Henrik and I solved it. We, we solved everything. Uh, I mean, I don't know what we're going to take and solve next week, but uh, we, we definitely See. solved the mic issue. Speak Swedish, then you know nobody knows what the hell you're talking about anyway. Yeah, he's taught me a couple Swedish words um, that I'm I'm going to be working into my repertoire. All right, let's get to the next question. Seth Isaacs wants to know. I'm trying. To, I've tried to get my six-year-old daughter into golf. However, she gets very frustrated and when she doesn't make contact with the ball. What can I do to reinforce that she's doing uh, well and keep her interested in the game? I'm like, dude, she's six. <laughs> be patient. <laughs> oh, come on, Hattie. You you've experienced this, so why don't you? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I think when it comes to kids that if you can make it as in, enjoyable and as uh, create a sense of like success as much as possible, that's really important. So, you know, obviously play from the one fifties or putt to a, you know, make a, a box with your clubs on a putting green and have them putt into that. Because I feel like as a kid, it's so difficult to make, or, you know, get a, get clubs that have bigger heads, just make it mm -hmm. as easy as possible and make it as fun as possible. Because I think to his point, when you do get frustrated, especially as a six-year-old, that's, it, it is kind of make you want to just walk in. So if you can sort of give them that taste of, of success as much as possible, I think that that's the way to go. Well, yeah. we started the Live Better Kids program, which is really aimed from four on upwards. And we've got a lot of youngsters. And what we're trying to do really is develop the athlete in a kid. So from throwing balls, kicking balls, jumping, doing all sorts of things. Because if, if your hand-eye coordination is good, and I mean, look, some, some kids are naturally sports-oriented, right? Other, other kids aren't. But I mean, you can definitely improve a player's hand-eye coordination, dexterity, doing all sorts of little exercises and drills and fun things. But I think to get on the golf course, as, as Harry was saying, make it fun, tee up from the 150, always put it on a tee initially, because once the ball gets up in the air, everybody gets excited, including yeah. mum and dad. Yeah, for sure. And I also just think, just just be patient, Seth. You, you, you got time. They're, they're, they're not going to turn into the next Michelle Weir Tiger Woods tomorrow. So you got you to gotta be patient. But I also think the other thing, and David, I'm curious to get your take, is do lots of sports. You know, get your kids involved in so many sports. You, you can't just drag them to the golf course every day at age six and expect, uh, you know, great results. No, they, they, are, they are tending to specialize now. I know the Arnold Palmer Hospital, they're already giving them their yeah. grip. 
eight, you know, two days old. So, uh, yeah, but it, I, I would say on the whole, yes, if you can play different sports and then if you really want to specialize in golf as you get a little older, then do it. But it's, it's mm -hmm. great team sports are fun and golf, as you know, is a little bit of a selfish game. Um, but you know, some people do it a little differently, but I say overall, yeah, definitely, definitely play a lot of different sports. All right. Uh, next one from DJ Billy C. Wonder if he's available for weddings and bar mitzvahs. What is your favorite Callaway club right now? Starting with you, David. Oh, I like the new Maverick driver, man. It's like it's me it's, too. It's, it's seriously good. I mean, you know, you always people always say, "Ah, oh, well, how can this be better than the, the Epic, which was better than the previous?" Like, and I said, "Well, I tell you what, technology. I mean, if you if you only have to go down to Callaway and check out what they do there and what these guys, you know, these guys are all boffins, but they're all golf nuts too. So if it's helping their game, it's going to help your game." Uh, so uh, yeah, that Maverick driver is uh, is magic. It really is, and so I, I uh, well, they've done a fantastic job with that. And um, I mean, so many of the players have spoken so highly about it. The fact that it is better than the previous model, and so you know, Callaway just keep getting better. I know it's uh, we're, we're lucky that we have such great engineers. Hal, are you allowed to answer a question like that? I don't want to put you on the spot. No, I'll I'll go with my Mac Daddy wedges. I love nice. my. 60 degree wedge so much. And, you know, you guys have Anthony Taranto there who does the incredible mm -hmm. wedge art. And yeah. I've got really, I make some pretty crazy requests and he always follows through. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. I've got one that says my favorite drink is spin drift. So I've got one that says spin, <clears throat> excuse me, spin drift on it. I got another one that my college nickname from college golf, my coach calls me Hollywood. So I've got another one with Hollywood on it. I, I, I love my wedges so much. They're so pretty. I don't even, I don't even want to hit them. I think you might want to thank Roger Cleveland for the wedges too. I mean, Anthony might put the printing on it, but yeah. Yeah, the only reason it's there is because of Roger. Realize that. Yeah, Roger's, Roger's pretty good authority when you're asking someone to help you on the wedges, don't you think? Absolutely. He's a, he's a magician. magician. He's pretty good. I love watching him do clinics and stuff. Uh, all right, next one is from Gary. I see most golfers taking their gloves off when getting ready to putt. I rarely take my glove off during the round. Is there that much advantage taking off? Well, I think what uh, Jack Nicholas never took it off when he putted, and Ian Baker Finch didn't. They were pretty good. No, I actually, I don't either. You know, but uh, so it's funny. As as a kid, you know, when <laughs> you look at these players and you watch these players on TV, um, it's, it looked cool when the glove is in the back pocket when you're putting. And I think that was the main reason they did it. You know, so mm -hmm. supposedly you get a slightly better feel with just your your skin of the hand mm -hmm. on, on the grip that I don't know. I think it's more, it's just tradition more than anything else. And, and you right. find almost people, you know, Tiger, for instance, he takes his glove off when he, when he chips. So yeah. a lot of that is up in the head. But You uh, don't think it has, you don't think it's trying to balance out a tan? Cause I think it would be pretty brutal if, if you played, you know, because at least when you're putting and you spend so much time on the greens, you have a chance of, of not having the, the, the tan. Well, on I mean, my, my wife, Kelly, uh, you know, had an LPGA tour for a number of years. She's always showing her, look at my glove hand, look at my actual right. hand. For sure. I mean, yeah. the glove hand, the glove hand is uh, it's a lot smoother than the, uh, the non-glove hand, certainly. Yeah. What do you think, Allie? You putt with a uh, glove on or glove off? So speaking, you talk about mom and how her hands, and even, I mean, I'm not going to lie. You can see my hands from is one has a lot of freckles and one doesn't I'm, and I'm left handed. So my mom was very into sun protection and as my dad is as well. And so growing up, I would wear sun sleeves and then it got to the point where like my mom wanted me to play with like two gloves, which huh. <laughs> like Tommy two gloves, which I yeah, Tommy I, two gloves for a while. And then I was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But um, th so there was a point where I would putt with both of those gloves on. 
But now I'm, I, I don't know. I think to my dad's point, it's probably a lot more mental, but just looking down, I like to see both of my hands on the putter than one with a glove and one not. All right. Well, hopefully we answered your question. Uh, Wilson wants to know, Callaway has incorporated advanced club development by incorporating AI. David, this is going to put you on the spot. How would David advance R&D for golf clubs to advance the game? Whoa. That's a- I don't even know how you'd answer that. What's something you've always wanted to see in a golf club that's never been done? How about we, we word it that way? Well, you know, years ago, like this is even pre-you, uh, Jeff, you know, when I first started with Callaway, when Mr. Callaway was still around, they brought out, I mean, if, if you look back in the annals of development, they, they had a club, I think it was called the Noodle. Okay, this was... Pretty- yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Okay. Anyway, there is no ways you could hit the ball to the right. I mean, it was like the further, the more you try, the more you try to slice it, the more the ball would go to the left. Well, who knows? Probably not. Probably not. But you know, but I mean, you know, you want we could if we get an anti-slice driver. Okay, people say there is one. You know, and obviously with the adjustable Mm -hmm. driver, you can do it to a point. But that it was weighted in such a way. It was weighted in such a way that Mm -hmm. the toe was always be this way. So I wouldn't say it was a a proper draw. It was more of a pull. But this would not go to the right. I could. It was. The harder we tried, I mean, it was like, so people would look at it and try it and say, oh my goodness. So, All right. So, so just to set the record straight, because I'm going to go see R&D here in a second. I have to, I have to go in there because we have a very important meeting. You would like to see an anti-slice driver. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm if, gonna... and if, and if one was developed, let's just hypothetically say one was developed, can we send you one and can you kind of validate it and put it through its paces and, and audit it and make sure that it's okay? Can I go offer that to the R&D folks? Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll come out and we'll test it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even better. We need to get you out here. We, you, have, you haven't been out here in a while because you haven't been, been able to travel. I, know. I haven't been out for a while. But uh, actually, I was planning on coming out this summer. Uh, and um, I told Roger we'd spend a little time out there. And, uh, you know, with what's going on, it's like, well. well. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do that. But let's spend the time with Roger at LACC because um, that would be really, really fun. And Hallie just got invited, so now we have a foursome out there. And uh, Now we have a foursome. Perfect. Yeah, we'll call it a business trip. There, there you go. go. That's it. That'll work. All right. Well, David and Hallie, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Last thing I just want to mention, uh, don't want to get too preachy about it, but uh, we've all seen the news about Golf Channel. And uh, obviously, not going to hide the fact I worked there for a couple of years and lots of really good friends. So best thoughts and wishes to everybody out there. I know it's, uh, it's brutal. Uh, but uh, hopefully uh, whatever's going to happen is going to be done with compassion and respect because the people who work in that building are all professionals and outstanding uh, and uh, we want them all to succeed and uh, as they unfortunately have to start some uh, some new chapters better things ahead yeah absolutely absolutely so, all right well that's Callaway Golf Podcast thank you to David and Hallie Ledbetter for joining us um, Girls and Golf will have a show this week and then we'll be back next Tuesday I have no idea who's going to be our guest but I'm going to predict we're going to have a Callaway win this week at Hartford and we'll just have the winner on on Tuesday. There you go. That sounds good. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next week on the Callaway Golf Podcast.